like if I can talk to somebody about photography and actually understand what I'm talking to, more importantly, if I can mentor them or yeah. teach them something, now they're more receptive and open to hear other things I might have to say. I think we miss a lot of opportunities to share the gospel because, you know, we just focus maybe on the other things too much. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Milbank Podcast Network from Milbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. Ymilbank.com is our website. Want to help support the show? Find out all the podcasts that originated out of this studio. Go to ymilbank.com, click on the podcast button. All the shows are listed there. Plus, there's a donate button. If you want to help support the show and make it better, keep it on the road. If you have any questions or comments, ymilbank at gmail.com is our email address. Today on the show, Joshua Hanna of joshuahannaphotography.com. I found out about Josh following uh, him on the social medias as a photographer. Uh, He is one of the premier graphic artists in the photography world. And then he started sharing some other things uh, about his faith and uh, his priorities in life. And that intrigued me. So, he was kind enough to come on the show. So, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Josh. Let's jump right into it. Thanks a lot. Josh Hanna of Joshua Hanna Photography. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. No, I appreciate you inviting me. I should say, uh, me. I mean, no one else is here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the two of us are here, so that's enough. That's right. Uh, I found you a couple years ago, just as a, my job that I do. I am a photographer and um, always looking for new composite things and templates and such to, to look at for inspiration and uh, get the occasional one. I, I, I've always built my own, and so it's been a little bit, I, I don't know, as a, I don't want to be a purist because I'm certainly not, but you, know, you think, oh, I can make it all myself. And some of that mm-hmm. is true, but why reinvent the wheel? It's kind of what I've come to. And so uh, in looking around, some of the best stuff I found out there uh, is yours. And oh, well, thank you, you so graciously came on and were willing to come talk to me. Um, so initially, what got you into the graphic world? Are you like trained in this or are you just, is it built into you? Oh, series of misfortunate events. <laughs> or no, I should say fortunate events, but it. I um I started kind of delving into the graphic world in high school. Um, boy, that was some time ago. But yeah, it. Sorry, just started reminiscing there for a second in my head. Um, I remember using some of the first versions of Corel Draw. I was in a graphic, oh. uh, like an advertising art class, uh-huh. um, which was very new and and something not a lot of people were doing when when I was in high school. <laughs> um, I remember our, uh, just to give you some uh, reference points, I remember uh, if you had the highest grades in the class, you got to use the newest computer, right? Okay. And so the, for like a... <laughs> give us a time frame. When are we talking? What era? So we're looking, we're looking <laughs> mid-90s. Okay. We're at the same age. And so right. I, I remember, yeah, this, this P90 
processor computer that we thought was just blazing fast and how much ram it was did the envy of every oh it was it was like <laughs> i think maybe, maybe four meg or <laughs> right, something yeah, at the yeah. most you know kilobytes yeah, yeah. it was it, yeah it was just mm -hmm. crazy um but yeah so got into kind of graphic design at that point uh but then never really followed through with it my goal was to finish college you know with a with a design degree or something but so you went to art school then no or no <laughs> <laughs> started started okay. to and didn't finish you know i got married and then priority shifted and we had a son and mm -hmm. you know as life does it manages to wind through avenues you didn't expect them to go um so yeah i dropped out of school <laughs> started working for a bank and then spent 16 years in a job that i hated what was that it was banking it was working in an operations center for a bank you're not the first person that I've talked to recently in the photography world that started in banking in, in that kind of world. Uh, Chris Dickinson is another one that I talked to recently from Utah. And yeah. what is it? I mean, is, is it like a, you're running as far as you can from creative to go to the numbers world <laughs> and then realize that's the wrong thing? No. I mean, for me, it was more I need to provide for my family. So I'm going to start sending out job applications to whoever's hiring and whoever calls back first, you know, you just, you run with it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it was, it was a frustrating few years there until I felt like God kind of drew me back into a better purpose. What was that transition like? Difficult. Yeah. Because you're going from, you know, still have a family that hasn't changed. My reason for working hasn't changed. They still need to um, eat. And, and by this point, you know, now you have like a house and bills and everything else on top of what you had 15, 16 years prior. Mm -hmm. um, it was, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, it was difficult. It was, it took me several years to finally give in to that. What I believe was, was literally God calling me to something better. Really? Um, because it's frightening, right? You don't have the thought of leaving that stable health insurance, mm -hmm. that's regular income, that and and trying to do i didn't know anything about running a business you know i didn't know anything about what it actually took to be a quote-unquote photographer which mm -hmm. was a lot more than just taking your camera around and hanging out and taking pictures um so it was it was rough um just trying to have that faith that it was the right thing mm -hmm. i think was the hardest decision when did you do that when when was that jump this december of 2012 i left work one week before christmas so i could have christmas off really <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you get pushback from people like oh you're making the wrong decision what are you doing why would you leave something stable or was there support i mean it, nobody blatantly just told me that mm -hmm. you know but you have a little bit of like as you're talking to people you kind of see that look in their face like yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, if, <laughs> right. you know, good luck. Yeah. Right. But it was it was doing it on it was doing it part time. You know, for mm -hmm. several years, um, really getting into it. Yeah, it got to the point where I was working two full time jobs basically. So I just thought, in my infinite wisdom of photography business at the time, oh yeah, I'm just going to jump right into this, and I'm going to have <laughs> all of this work coming in, and all of the foolish things that we think starting out. Mm -hmm. uh, when when did that realization happened that oh crap i don't get to just sit behind the camera all day long or, or was that something oh, you kind of it, understood i mean a little a little bit but i think until you do it full time mm -hmm. again and if you've never been it's not like i've ever 
trained with or was familiar with anybody that ran their own business. Um, so there's just, there's, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, so you walk into it kind of blindly and then, you know, six months in you're realizing, man, there's, <laughs> right. I, I'm one man that has to do the work of 10. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I would say six months in is when realization starts to set in. Well, it always cracks me up because I've been self-employed for almost 20 years now. And it's that the the perception from the outside and typically people who've never, ever had to run the run the show. Uh, and when you're a one man show specifically, uh, if I'm not here, it doesn't get done. And so, right. you know, you get the question, oh, where are you going on vacation? Well, I'm not because <laughs> I got a pile of clients that are waiting for their product. And if I leave for a week, it's still there. I don't have someone that's going to step in and pick that up as I go. So that realization was a big, you know, it is a big one, definitely. Yeah. And then the the fact that uh, you got to figure out tax law. You got to figure out. Yep. I mean, I, I grew up in Oregon. We started our business out there and out there there's no uh, sales tax. And so that was new for me moving to South Dakota where all of a sudden there's sales tax. And yeah. I have to, it's municipality driven. So it changes wherever you're physically at and. Oh, I almost wanted to run back and say, no, I want it the simple way, even though I don't know how simple it was. It just was known. Right. Yeah. I've said, uh, you know, several times, I feel like I left one type of stress for another type of stress mm -hmm. and albeit a better stress, right? And more, I would call this a more healthy stress because if this forces me to become more valuable as a human, I believe, right? Because I'm learning new things. It's forcing me to have to adapt and mm -hmm. learn versus... 15, 16 years of being completely complacent in a process that I was familiar with, right? Yep. There wasn't much, mm -hmm. there was no self-development there. There was no sense of fulfillment. There was no, it was just doing the exact same thing every day in and out and mundane and routine. And so I believe even though it's a different stress, it's better because it forces me to better myself. When did you start going over the top with your work? And by over the top, I mean, if, if you go follow you on uh, Facebook or dig around your website at all, um, you're doing some pretty crazy things in the composite world. I mean, you're, you're, you're creating fantasy, um, which I, I love to do. I mean, I, I do it with vehicles. We do it with some seniors that are willing to do it. Um, when, was that an always thing for you, or did that come about later? It was pretty early, honestly, because I was drawn to that so for me, it was it was almost like photography was the avenue to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, me, me because, too. I, I started. My mom was a graphic designer, so I, I kind of self taught, and so I yeah. that was my first thing. Photoshop, I learned first, and then my dad used to shoot some film, and so I was like, all right, I'll you know I can take pictures, but what can I do with them? Yeah, I mean, I you know to really go back, I I swore I would never get into portraits at all. Like I never wanted to photograph people. Um, so if you go back, I mean, my first camera I got was film, you know, I was always interested in photography, but mm -hmm. it was, it was always, you know, more of the sense of like, what can be done with it versus just like snapshotting something that's in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, the pro of course, the problem with film was <laughs> back then I didn't have the money to pay to buy and develop it. And so there was this huge learning curve because you rarely <laughs> got to see the fruits of your labor. Right. And, uh, um, but yeah, when digital came and then, you know, I remember getting that 
I don't remember what version it was, but the first version of Photoshop that I had access to and was like, oh, wow, like mm-hmm. you can manipulate this stuff to do this <laughs> or do that. And then so that's what really yeah. got me kind of interested um, in, in developing the photography side more because I just mm-hmm. saw those two go together. And I think maybe that's a view a lot of photographers don't have, right? A lot of them, you, you know, you mentioned purists earlier. Yeah. A lot of people still are so anti Photoshop versus seeing it as a tool to do something else. That's just so bizarre uh, to me. It makes no sense at all why no. that would be the case. Because I relate it to like a neutral density filter, right? If you're putting that on your lens, yeah. you're modifying the scene before it comes in. Yep. What's the difference in modifying the scene after mm-hmm. it comes in? Well, and you, you know, tell me you're not modifying it in the dark room. Yeah, we're right, going to add true. some more light here. That is not what you saw with your eye. Now it is because you remember that, but that's your interpretation. Well, sure. a digital darkroom's the same way. Right, right. Yeah. So it it was it was kind of a long process to get, but mm-hmm. I, it felt natural to me. I guess there was no I never felt like I was forcing myself to do something that wasn't just part of what interested me and I kind of let the interest dictate more than Yeah being intentional, right? Because some people are really good at business. <laughs> right. I've, never be, I've never claimed to be that guy. <laughs> right. You know, so in other words, they're very intentional about, I'm going to market this way mm-hmm. or look at my work this way or gear everything this way because I'm going to have this kind of return. Mine's always just been like, whoa, this is cool. Let's do this. Right. And then, okay, who wants to get on board with me <laughs> right. as I do this? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But it, so, it's been it's been a good process overall. So adding the photography side of it was a means to an end, really. It was kind of, it's kind of a way for you to get the images to work with. Well, I mean, if, if we want to really connect the dots here, um, you know, I started out with, you know, landscapes and whatever mm-hmm. doodads are laying around that look cool or matchbox cars or <laughs> yeah. all the things we get into, like trying to photograph. Um and then the portrait piece came in. I was actually at a revival at our church um, and very clearly just felt this. You need to work with people, even though I was saying for years, I don't want anything to do with photographing people, uh, was never a huge people person. You know, um, I mean, just it was just very clear. And so we actually started through that a few weeks later, a program at our church where I um, was bringing people in to photograph them for free. So like families, maybe that couldn't afford pictures mm-hmm. or, and so I remember, you know, buying a couple muslin backdrops just so I had something to hang up. Of course, they <laughs> yeah. were always wrinkled and bad. I bought some <laughs> continuous course. lighting, had no idea what I was doing with it whatsoever. <laughs> so it was like turning them on and just pointing them at people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years, um, of periodically just setting up like these free portrait sessions and through it was like, man, I, I, I really like to photograph people. Mm-hmm. Like, this is interesting. You get that, you know, there's this whole other level of emotion behind photographing a person yeah. in a scene versus just the scene itself. Um, so yeah, it all mm-hmm. developed from, from that. I, I was totally unexpected to ever photograph people in my life. When did you start marketing to the, that artistic senior class? Uh, I would say 
probably 2007 is when I started to get more intentional and serious mm-hmm. about, um, okay, I like working with people. And that's when I was kind of getting heavily into the Photoshop side of things. And it's like, okay, how do I bridge these two things together? And what I wasn't, one of the things I wasn't seeing and that interested me was you've got all these high school seniors who are in the prime of their life, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you ever have a opportunity to be a little bit cocky about yourself, it's why you're a high school senior. <laughs> That's the time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, these kids I could see getting into, especially the athletic kids, you know, mm-hmm. what could we do with this to kind of amp things up in Photoshop <clears throat> yep. and make them, you know, so I just kind of saw this connection here of like, these are the perfect people to work with to allow me to do some cool stuff in Photoshop, which wasn't cool at the time. Don't get me wrong. It was all very bad and overdone and horrible processing and everything, but I still had fun with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that 2007 to 2008 is when I really started to push that direction. Okay. That was the time I moved to away from the West coast and out here. <laughs> and at the time we were the, kind of the the newer scene you know we we, we brought in a west coast feel you know something that yeah, wasn't done yeah. out here and and so we did a lot of uh things that were cutting edge for here definitely um but what i found is this part of the country tends to lag a little bit in its uh st- i don't want to say style but kind of its style sure and, you know that's just the nature of the of how it works um oh yeah you find that style's very regional mm-hmm I've seen that over the years, yeah. Do you get any, like, like, do you get people traveling to you for this from around, or is it pretty centralized where you're at? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, well, of course, things have really changed for me, um, but things are pretty centralized. I'm, I do have, uh, I've got a senior coming in from Oklahoma uh, in a couple of weeks. Really? Um, but that's, that's rare for me, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe once every couple of years I'll have a travel like that, but I'm not really... <clears throat> do anything to reach out in those parts. You know, I'm content with just the few that I work with a year mm-hmm. and so, you know, that are right around me. What is your main push? I mean, are, are you a primarily senior photographer or do you do a lot more commercial? What is your main focus? Well, I still call myself a senior photographer because that's kind of what, you know, if I had to choose something, that's what I would be choose to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I do a little bit of commercial work. Um, not a lot. I mean, to be honest, since I got more into the design side of things, um, I've really pushed that more than the photography side because I love the photography, but the design gives me more freedom with my mm-hmm. family and everything. So mm-hmm. I get more family time. And, um, so I've pushed that a lot more. So not, I was debating if I would ask this question, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, <laughs> when did it click for you, um, that selling to photographers is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, <laughs> series series of fortunate slash yeah. misfortune event. Um, I was I was at a conference. I was at Sync, hmm. um, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there, and I went and introduced myself um, to a guy there who I'd never met. And and as I did, he was like, "Oh, somebody else wants to meet you," and he kind of introduced me to him. Cool and that was somebody who was following my work who wanted to know if I would do some design work Hmm. for his new company that he started. And so it basically just started this Avenue that I hadn't planned out Mm -hmm. all from, and, and again, 
for somebody like me, like going up and just making an introduction of myself to somebody is difficult. Again, I'm not that people person who's like outgoing and like, hey, let me get in there and shake some hands. Um, but it was all, you know, I can go back and I can see this path that God had put, put me on to, mm-hmm. to get me these connections with people that I never intended and take me in ways that I never intended. And so it was through kind of that introduction and working with them. Um, that was like, wow, this is, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So let's explore it a little bit. And then it just kind of grew from that. <clears throat> That's crazy because I don't know. It's, it, it's just fun to, to hear you talk of that process because from, from the outside without knowing you at all, it feels like, you know, it's like it's a deep thought out plan that everything is, you know, <laughs> in order. And, you know, one of the things I've thought about and tell me if I'm wrong or not is who you know is the most important thing and who you're connected with yeah and probably in life rather than how good you are and you know it it doesn't diminish quality at all but connected that those relationships really that that's where it's at isn't it yeah it's that old expression it's, it's who you know not what you know um and and ultimately you know let's just be real if if who you know is christ then it really doesn't matter who else you know that is true uh, because he is, he's, he's bridged gaps and open doors and, mm-hmm. and closed other doors that I, when I try to plan intentionally seem to fail. Yeah. Um, but it's that idea, you know, my mom used to, she had a few favorite verses she used to drill into us as kids. Um, and, and particularly if we like to complain about things, <laughs> <laughs> but one of her favorites was always acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways and he shall direct thy path. You know, trying to encourage us about how to live life. And it actually took me years to understand that verse. And it's more about, you know, I always used to look for God in like a neon sign. Go here, do this, go this direction. When that's not at all how God works. Mm -hmm. But if we acknowledge him, then as we live and make decisions, he will guide us through this path. Right. And so that's what I see when I look back through, you know, kind of going into the second half of life with photography career. Um and just jumping out making decisions and forcing myself to make introductions to mm-hmm. people that feel like I should introduce for some reason. Like, you know, you just feel this leading yeah, and it just takes you ways you can't even imagine or anticipate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That's, it, it, it's so relevant to me too. Cause in this last, uh, starting at the end of 2020, uh, this podcast used to be just centered on people around our community. And then as, as 2020 happened and, you know, all the stuff went down and, you know, we had a fair amount of commercial work that stopped because other states, you know, South Dakota never shut down. And I'm very grateful for that as a business owner. It's great. Yeah. Um, but other states did that I had direct connections to. And like my main labs that we process out of shut down and you have no yeah. control over that. So there was some real direct impact that we felt. And so in all of this, I thought... I want to talk to more people. And I, I'm like you. I'm not one that goes out and is um, <laughs> outgoing. My wife is the sanguine. She is the life of the party. I would much rather hang out alone and watch and listen and <laughs> brood. It's what people think. I'm not really. I just mm-hmm. like to be alone. Um, and so I, I started reaching out. And the first person I reached out to for to, to change this show to be people that I'm interested in around the world. I don't care who they are, how famous they are. I'm going to ask them. They don't have to come on. That's fine. I'll ask. And so I actually sent a message to good Joel Grimes and he 
graciously said, yep, when are we doing it? Uh, <laughs> and then, so that's just gone out. It's probably 25 different interviews in the last five months um, with people around the world. Um, and re- talking to you was the same thing. It's like, I'm going to try. You know, I've never met him. Chances are he'll say no, but we'll go, go for it. Um, and one of the main reasons that I was drawn to you in the last six or eight months is your push. Like, is it every day that you now put a devotional on Facebook? Yep. Yep. It's been every day for several years. Is, are you writing these? Nope. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's a misconception that I know a lot of people have. Um, I, one of the things, so they're, they're reached a point with kind of photography, but along with my spiritual walk mm-hmm. where you think about social media and what we put out there. Right. And the, the, the urge is to put our thoughts out there. Mm-hmm. I want to share with the world what I'm thinking about this subject and what I have to say is important. And so I found myself typing and untyping a lot of posts, right? Like you get to the end of this long <laughs> rant or something and you're like, Nope, <laughs> hang on. Should I hit enter here? Let's, let's back it off. Yeah. And you know, through a lot of praying about it and, and things, I just felt God saying, I've already given you a message to share and I've mm. perfected it already. Mm. Like, I don't need your spin on my gospel, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It, it was kind of, it was an eye opener to me, you know, cause I'm thinking like, cause I spent, I spent a good couple years on social media. Like when I would see somebody like attack the Bible or attack Christians or mm-hmm. something as wanting to be this defender, right. Of running yeah. in and be like, no, you, this is why you can't say that. And mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And God just saying like, I, I told you to share it. I didn't tell you to <laughs> manipulate it or change it or right. defend it. I told yeah. you to share it. Um, and so there was this devotional it's love worth finding ministries. Okay. Um, so a pastor who was passed years ago, his name was Adrian Rogers, who I believe was a gifted pastor mm-hmm. um, that God just, I mean, that was his purpose in life. And so he would write these short devotionals. And so I was on this mailing list of them that were just powerful. I mean, they're short, but powerful. And it was just like, well, I, I just want you to share this. You didn't write it, but it's, it's truth mm-hmm. and a small little compact thing. And I just want you to share it. And so I started doing that. It started being, I, I was looking for one of the ways, you know, when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to, unto you, you know, talking about all the provisions of yeah. life. So it became part of this um, life goal where I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to seek you first and you promised to provide for me. But my responsibility is to seek you first. And one of the, one of the ways that I was doing that was like the first thing I'm going to do every morning is pull up my email and share this devotional hmm. because I know it's being your truth put out. Yeah. And, and by doing that, <laughs> I, I had taken notice the next two or three years. And even to this day at conferences and things I would go to, people would come up to me and be like, you're that guy that puts that scripture out on Facebook. Right. Wow. <laughs> it was never like, Hey, you're the guy that does the senior composite yep. or <laughs> But it was this light bulb mm-hmm. moment where I was I was seeing God revealing to himself this this path. Right. I want mm-hmm. you to do this every day. And now I was seeing him getting glorified above myself and realizing this is this is the right thing to do. Mm. It's not about, yeah, I use Facebook for my own marketing and stuff like that. But 
I would much have, rather have the response from people picking up pieces of God's word that maybe otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's that, that was the, the thing that kind of really jumped out to me, too, was, I mean, clearly your work is dynamite. And that, that intrigued me, and I've gotten some stuff from you over the past. Um, but that was the thing that made me realize, okay, this is, he's different. This is not the typical, um, you know, the stereotypical designer. And I want, I want to know why, you know, what is it that, that makes you, um, so passionate about God and about the Bible? You know, I've had conversations with other photographers who who come up to me and say, I I don't think I could bring myself to share my faith the way that you do. Mm. And my response is always the same. Let God be true and every man a liar. If we really think about that for a second, right? We think about who God is and, and it's got to come back to this question. Do we, do we believe in God? Mm-hmm. Right. And not just our own made up version and theory of God. There's <laughs> lots of those lowercase yeah. G's floating out right there in the mm-hmm. universe. But if we're going to go by who God says that he is, and we believe this, then how can that not change our perspective? Mm. Uh, because now we're saying this God of the universe that created everything and that we miserably fail each and every day <laughs> in understanding his holiness versus our unholiness yeah. and the fact of who Jesus was and the, and his even willing to come to his own creation to be beaten and spit upon. And, yeah. you know, you know, am I believing this is who he says he is, because if it's this Jesus who was God incarnate, that before a, a fist ever struck him could have spoke that person out of existence. Like this is the God we're talking mm-hmm. about. Loved me to that point. What, <laughs> what other decisions are there to make? Yeah. Like other people need to know about him that don't, I need to share. If he says I need to share, then I need to share. And mm-hmm. if other people don't agree, let God be true and every man a liar. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, I get why it's difficult to share because I've had all those experiences in, in the past before, like maybe face to face. It was, I should have shared with somebody about Jesus and I didn't because right. I was scared. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, you know, when it came again to this whole concept of the social media and like, a, I could put my spin on it. <laughs> but when I do, I just dilute its power. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that my thoughts on the gospel are more powerful than what God has already said about the gospel? <laughs> you Ouch. know, is, 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 and, and what do you want to see on social media? You want to see a bunch of people slinging sins at each other. Yeah. Right. We know what sins are. The Bible defines what they are, mm-hmm. but we weren't, we were, we weren't told in the great commission to go out and share people's sins and with them. point out everyone's flaws. Right. Right. We were told to share yeah. the gospel. Yeah. What, you know, what more important message is there than Jesus loves you, mm-hmm. died for you and rose again to give you a place with God. I mean, we, we can't dilute that. If we do, it's just becomes ineffectual. Hmm. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate the conviction. <laughs> that's, that's, it's true. I had a conversation the other day with the guy. Um, he just wrote a book that we, we actually published for him. Um, my sister used to run a publishing company in Oregon, where she managed it all. And so she's out here now. So we kind of have a small publishing arm in our company too, because why not? 
Uh, but it's called Divine Response to Fallen Mankind. And it's a theological commentary of his. Um, okay. And we were having a conversation about, uh, you know, this whole idea of, like you just said, are we, do we actually believe what we say we do? And if we do, if, if we really believe that around the corner, down the way, the road is gone, you know, and, and metaphorically speaking, and we've got cars mm-hmm. flying down toward that and they don't know it's gone. If we really believe that, and I just stand on there and say, hey, you slow down a little bit, you know, you, whoa, hold on, or hey, you guys are great, good job, you know, I like mm-hmm. that car, you got it nailed. Or should we be in the middle of the road doing everything we can to stop everyone from going down yep. the road? And I, I mean, I, I say that knowing that I am usually on the side going, I like the color of that car, good job. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> How do we do that in 2021? And and I think, you know, you're kind of doing a piece of that, just kind of in a shotgun method a little bit. But mm-hmm. how do how do we do that in day to day life, where we are, you know, with without being, without coming across as though we are controlling or trying to, um, everyone says judge. You right. Know, what, what does that role look like? Yeah, that's a it's a million dollar question, right? <laughs> right. Like, um, you know, we have to do everything in love. We know that. Yeah. And so that aspect already changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole the whole judgmental thing, you know that that comment always rubs me wrong. You know, it, it's <laughs> yes. basically it's a it, it's a lot of people wanting to condone their sin Absolutely. and call yeah. you out mm-hmm. by saying, "Oh, you're judging me." Mm-hmm. No, God's already judged it. It just is what it is. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't matter what I think. This is what he thinks but, about it. But I get the concept. Like we it, we can come across as overbearing. Oh yeah. Very easily. Mm-hmm. Um and we can come across as holier than thou very easily. Mm-hmm. And I think for me what it looks like is is getting people to understand I'm just as broken as you. Yeah. It, you know, I'm, I'm no better than you. And I have just because my sin is different than your sin doesn't make one better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that makes a difference is whether we have a savior who's bore those sins or not. Right. And that I can attest to that I have. And if you don't, <laughs> you could have, Yeah. And, you know, and so trying to make that bridge to mm-hmm. where it's like the difference is, is not in us. The difference is, who's in us yeah more or less you know yeah what's the role of the uh the building of a church like like the physical structure of a church nowadays well that's really changed over the years hasn't it? especially with with man. covid and yeah. the way churches have shut down and it, mm-hmm. i mean we one i think you clearly see an attack on the church yeah you know um and we know that, you know, let's get out there in front of it. We know that church is important because if the Bible tells us forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, then we shouldn't forsake it. You know, there's an importance because it also goes on to say that it's for edifying one another. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we need that encouragement. We need that time where we get with other believers and say, you know what, the world is difficult. All this stuff is going on right now more than ever. Yeah. And we need that constant fellowship of, of, of rejuvenation and and God knows we need that. We're humans. Yeah. We can't just go on by ourselves forever. Does that need um, to look like um, the traditional picture of what it's looked like for the last centuries, maybe? Not in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like there's been some great, I've seen some great home church movements. Yeah. Right. Um, versus the traditional building of the church where people come to. Um, and if you think about the idea, um, and I, I say this as somebody who still goes to a tradition, traditional <laughs> right. church building, right? But if you think about the idea of Jesus going to where they were, yeah. right? Putting yourself where they are mm-hmm. versus expecting everybody, hey, come here where I'm at and hear something you don't want to hear and, <laughs> right. and with people you don't want to be around. <laughs> Right. Uh, and, and I mean, that's kind of the idea that church has taken on. Like mm-hmm. you come to us yeah. and we've stopped saying we're going to go to you. So to me, it's like, how do you, what concepts can we put in place mm-hmm. that involve us getting out to them and, you know, relating to them on a level that makes sense for them to want to hear more about what you have to say. Right. <clears throat> what has the, well, you know, the, over the last year and a half, roughly, the majority of church communities really did lose that, or at least a big piece of that weekly gathering um, thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what good comes out of that? I guess, like, because it's got. I know there's good in some of the things I've seen. Uh, like we at our church, we've actually changed a couple of our approaches, um, and we've focused. But we have an online presence that's we want to try to make, I mean, it's not there yet, but we, our goal is to make that it's equal in importance because Mm -hmm. our potential reach is so much broader that way. You know, yeah, we'll have people in our building, but we can touch more people if we, and potentially people that are really in, you know, in, in dire, dire need. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, to me, that's the main good is the fact that churches had to now look for avenues Mm -hmm. that, because of those avenues put them in front of in front potentially of more people than would have just showed up at their building. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the good side of that is the message seems to be having more potential viewage, right? More people able to see it, whether they watch it or not, that's their decision. (laughs) Right. But the potential is greater. You know, you, I think you, you lose the negative side of that is you lose the one-on-one fellowship and communication, which is important. Mm-hmm. That that encouragement yeah. uh, and being lifted up, I think, happens on a personal level, and it's harder to do. I mean, you could do it like this. You know, I mean, yeah. we could talk and, and sit and encourage one another. But, but it, you, you know, you, you got to have that personal mm-hmm. communication, I believe, for that to take place. Yeah. So that's where you get, you know, trying to find that balance of, of where you, you know, the message has to go out, but you also need this personal feeding and, mm-hmm. and, and everything that goes with it. Well, that's kind of the the thought behind the whole cell church concept, the the life group model. The you know we we play pickleball together, or we go out and we have a a mountain biking group that gets together once yeah. a month. It, it's that community. It's that fellowship. You can get together and do things you're interested in, all while having the same goal in life, maybe. And so in that, you get to have conversation and stuff comes up and. Do you think that is maybe a more important connection than a corporate service on a Sunday morning? Yeah, in a lot of ways it is. And but let me let me stipulate that with saying a lot of it depends on the church, right? Because a lot of a, a lot of churches who understand the importance of their role in the community mm-hmm. will will build a lot of that process in, right? Versus 
many far greater number of churches who are that corporate approach you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. We're going to show up and we're going to do this little set of scheduled events throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very structured and we wouldn't dare change from that structure or routine. <laughs> and, we, you know, we've all been part of, of church at some oh, yeah. point that's been that, you know, um, but you lose that whole sense of, of, well, I like the way, uh, was it Paul that said, I've become all things to all mm-hmm. men that I might through all ways win some, mm-hmm. you know, that ability to, to relate to everybody on some level that's personal to them. Like I take it very personally with photography that God has led, led me to use photography as a ministry mm. more than a means to provide for my family by seeking him first. He's, he's led it as a ministry. Mm. And so if I use it and keep that perspective in check, I can trust God to take care of everything else. Like I don't have to think about provision because he's already promised if I seek him first, he'd provide. So I don't have to think about that anymore. And so using whatever skill set that God has given us, whatever passion, some people like to use the word, what their passion is, what your passion is. In other words, whatever we do, I spoke to my dad one time and, and he, he retired from Sears as a service repairman. Okay. And at one point he told me, I was talking to him about uh, wanting to leave photography or leave for photography, right? Mm-hmm. Leave the bank and all this. And, and he said, you know, whatever you do, as long as you put God first is all that's really important. And he talked about his life as a, a service repairman. He said, I was a service repairman for Christ. Mm. You know, if I could go into somebody's home and yep. have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And it was just this light bulb. Wow. Like it, it literally can be anything. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, so as long as we're, I believe we're using that. And like you said, now you get into these cells of people who all have similar interests mm-hmm. that now you can relate to. Like if I can talk to somebody about photography and actually understand what I'm talking to more importantly, if I can mentor them or yeah. teach them something now they're more receptive and open to hear other things I might have to say, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we miss a lot of opportunities to share the gospel because I, you know, we just focus maybe on the other things too much. Yeah. We focus on, instead of seeing it as a tool or an avenue or an outlet, we, we kind of misappropriate, I think, our skill set sometimes. Well, and, and it's easy, too, when, when success does come, it's easy to lose focus. I lived in sure. uh, Africa for about five months back in 2004, um, 2003, yeah, 2004, um, and it was a huge wake-up call to me because the Africans, we were in Uganda, the Ugandan people there had nothing. Mm. And they were some of the most joy-filled people I've ever met. They were, they seemed, they came across as content. And their faith, all of it, was in Christ. What, you know, because they had nothing else. And here we come back to America and we've got all the stuff. If I, if I need a new boat, I can go get it. I can't afford it, but I can get it because some bank <laughs> right. will give me a loan and I can go get it. That's fine. Uh, I need two houses, three houses, whatever. I can't afford them, but I can go get them. I don't need to rely on faith in God. Over there, they may not eat tomorrow. Mm. They, they have to have faith. Now, n- not all of them, but we sometimes we went deep into the bush and these people were, I mean... Poor is not even the right word, but just their, their joy that they exuded was mind blowing and, you know, coming back. And so now my goal, uh, I have four kids. Uh, my goal is as they get older and get into those, you know, 
late teen, early adult years, um, I want them, I want to ship them over there to serve something bigger than themselves. Because mm-hmm. when they go out there and see that, first off, we've got it really good here. And second off, those people don't have it bad. It's just different. And cultures are so different. And you, you get to see things and you really get to see God's, the, the faith they have is something we need desperately. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, I like that, that concept, you know, you talk about con- being content, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. Um, and, you know, I can never relate to what they go through, right? right. Born, in, born in America, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can relate to the contentment, and I can relate to the way in the past two years I've changed my approach to my work mm. to focus on more on being content than being uh, quote-unquote successful by today's standards. So I can, I can chase one of the two things. I can chase mm-hmm. success in the sense of what the photography industry yeah. and its top tier deems it to be. Right. Um, for instance, you know, the, the new trend is starting to push in the senior world of, of having the $6,000 senior session sale, right? <laughs> this is this, this goal of really? like, this is the new, Oh yeah. I mean, it's been 4,000 for the past, couple years right and mm-hmm. people all pushing and teaching like these are the goals you should be hitting and i'm just like what if you can live off a 500 dollars session and you're completely happy and it provides for what you need because if it does isn't that a lot easier goal to achieve than six thousand? <laughs> right if i can be happy yeah. if i you know my goal is to work with about 10 seniors a year mm-hmm. and if if I don't have any debt and I don't need all of this extra money and everything, and I can be and I can spend all this extra time with my family, which has been my life goal, that God's you know at this moment giving me an opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a much that contentment is a much better goal to strive for, in my opinion, than the stress that comes with trying to work with a hundred seniors at six thousand dollars a pop. You know, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been kind of harping on that with people the past year or so, really, of like, listen, you need a new perspective. You mm-hmm. need, you and I need to understand that contentment is great gain. There's there's a happiness and that joy you talked about, right? When you're mm-hmm. content, that joy gets to kind of flow out. Well, it's freedom that, in it, too. Right. And, and that's not there when you're chained to this idea of what we think success is and chasing all this money and financial gain and everything mm-hmm. else. And no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, I just I don't want to get caught. You know, I was I was there chasing that. I yeah. understand the stresses that come with it. Uh, but anymore, it's just like, no, this is so much better. <laughs> uh, it's so refreshing to hear because it, it does seem like, you know, in, in our industry that it's. It is about volume. It's about numbers. You got to have numbers, numbers, numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess that's probably just the worldly mindset in every industry. That's probably what it is. Sure. About numbers. There's very little interest in relationship and people. Mm-hmm. And you know, getting that right. That's di- that's hard. It's hard to do. Yep. Well, especially when so many people are telling you one way is one right. way. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, because it's hard to, it's hard to push against the crowd mm-hmm. and we know, you know, 
<laughs> you know, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is there's a narrow road and there's a broad road, right? <laughs> um, that And that narrow road is straight. It's difficult. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even just working and laboring in this world with our jobs and everything, it's hard to push against what everybody else is saying. Yeah. This is the way you do it. And to be the one kind of pushing against the flow and being like, I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me to make myself and my family miserable versus being joyful and happy and being content. Right. And so that's not always an easy message. You know, people, a lot of people don't even want to hear that message. For whatever reason, yeah. you know, we could get into the psyche <laughs> behind why that is. But is there too much emphasis on the rock star photographer? Yes. When did that start? I mean, I, I remember uh, the the first like big name celebrity photographer that I recall when I first got into this was Joe Basink. Mm. Um, phenomenal celebrity wedding photographer. And he, I mean, he's he does killer work. But I remember that and going, oh, that guy, he must have it. Now, yeah, he shoots, mm-hmm. you know, five, six-figure weddings. Absolutely. But the lifestyle, I, I don't know. But it's interesting because we do have this thing. Has the, has the internet changed that? Has the, the conference world kind of fostered that um, idea that we need to have these, these uh, celebrities in the industry? I think everything contributes to it, right? Because, and let me say that we need leaders in the industry. Yeah, We, we need those people who are going to set the bar higher than other people. Mm-hmm. We need those people who are going to step out and do something different and create a whole new realm to explore. Yeah. Um, the, the dangerous part of that is now people idolizing those people or seeing them as the quote unquote gospel of photography and and how things need to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, listen, we're individuals. We all have different goals. We should all have different goals and different mindsets and and different avenues with our career and our life. Like it shouldn't look just like somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I think the danger in that is, is because when somebody becomes successful, we look up to them to the point that now we elevate them above ourselves and other people. Yeah. I think that's the dangerous side of it because I know what it's like. Trust me. I've been to conferences where I've, I've talked to people that I felt inferior to. That was always <laughs> one of my fear. When I started going to conferences, mm-hmm. my, my, that was my big internal turmoil, I guess, is feeling inferior to yeah. other people. And especially when you get those rock star people, right. And you would meet them or mm-hmm. talk to them and you just felt like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be in your presence kind <laughs> right. of thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, that's an uncomfortable place to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had a couple people react to me that, at conferences before like that, that just made me uncomfortable because I'm like, <laughs> listen, you have no with, idea. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, like, why are you looking at me mm-hmm. like that? Like, it's just, it just makes me uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, this is not the case. Like, mm. I struggle with the same things you struggle with. I'm yeah. figuring it out as I go, just like you're figuring it out as you go. Mm-hmm. Let's figure it out together, you know, if anything. Really, the difference is, and in the people that I've gotten to talk to um, over this last year, you know, in, in, in a lot of them are people that I have put up in on that pedestal. And not not because I thought they were 
um, you know, some sort of God, but they just have a portfolio that's awesome. I, I like their what I see from them. But then when I talk to them, it's so nice because they're people. Mm-hmm. We're all people. And yeah, we may have a different uh, lens to look through, so to speak, different environment to live in, but we're all people and we happen to know things. And so years ago when I first started this industry, I was stupid and pretty arrogant, knowing nothing, of course. And I, I remember I, I really wouldn't, I didn't feel like I could go talk to anyone else that did what I do in our town in Oregon because they might steal something from me. They might take yep. some of my ideas. And then I realized that's so stupid because first off, they have stuff I don't know. And one of the best things that a piece of advice that I ever got, um, pieces of advice was from April Collette. She was a photographer in Oregon. She's now in Maryland, I think somewhere. I was asking her about uh, a a product that she had and she looked at me and she's like, I had to do a lot of work to get, to find the places that I use. You need to work there as well. You need to work for that. So go find what you want. Don't try to do exactly what I do. Go find you. And I thought that to me, like I still look back on that. that was 16, 17 years ago. And it was, it's so freeing because I, you know, I get messages from some young people around the area and they're like, yeah, where, where do you get this? What do you do here? You're going to have to look, you're going to have to do some research because yep. I found places that produce what I make. It, they may not produce what you make and that's okay. Go find you because that's what mm-hmm. people are going to want. And it's, it, it, it is a weird thing though, because we do put people up on this column of idolhood. Right. You think social media has perpetuated that problem? Sure, because social media is is mostly a lie. <laughs> it's mostly people saying, "I'm at the beach, fifty weeks out of fifty-two of the yeah. year," and yeah. you know, posting all of the high. It's a, it's a highlight reel. Is all that yeah. it is. A very you know, well and, tightly curated one. <laughs> yes, very yeah. much so. And it changes daily. Yeah. Like you can go back at any moment and delete a memory. Yeah, you know. You can edit this constantly. So I, I, I had talked to a group of people a while back, um, just before COVID hits, like, what, what would it look like if our social media actually reflected life? Oh. Like, what if we were posting daily yeah. life? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what if I, you know, gave you a picture of my desk area and what a wreck <laughs> it looks like right now? <laughs> You know, versus right. trying to have yeah. a clean background mm-hmm. behind me to make it look like I have this nice clean office. Um, yeah, you I mean, can't see just, in front of me at all. Right. That's that to yeah. me. That's social media. Mm-hmm. You see this. Yep. You don't yeah. see any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's dangerous because now you've got people trying to set unrealistic goals, right? Unrealistic standards because you know we're we're giving we're we're given a sense of success in a lot of cases that aren't even there Mm. you know there there's so many people that i've met that their social media makes them look extremely successful when you get to talk to them (laughs) one-on-one and hear the struggles right (laughs) you know you start to and and, and don't get me wrong i'm not trying to knock or blame them i do the same thing Mm -hmm. right because if we run we run businesses we need people to know that we can take care of you as a customer we can take care of you yeah and so they need to see that success. So I'm not trying to knock that, you know, don't mm-hmm. get me twisted, but I'm just saying there is a danger in 
having a false sense of reality, <laughs> which is what happens with social media, I think, most of the time. Other than starting to put a bunch of behind-the-scenes shots up, you know, to kind of counteract that, you know, you know, we put the pretty one up, and then we put, this is how what it took to get here. Is there, an, I mean, do we just assume that people that use and consume social media today are just so blind to the reality that that is a fake product? Yeah. And I mean, don't you think that's the world as a whole is blind? Well, I guess it's called, it's, yeah, it's called television. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, the mess, the messages are being filtered, mm -hmm. right? They're only hearing what the, the select few want them to hear. They're only seeing what the select few want them to see. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's all already a lie. So I think the importance is understanding that, like knowing, yeah. like you said, it's about the relationships. It's about people. It's mm -hmm. about going into it, knowing we're, we're both a mess. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and no matter what your, your Instagram says or, mm -hmm. or whatever, like we're, we're both a mess. Um, and, and that figuring out like, like, I just think it, as as a photographer, I love to see behind the scenes, right? Oh, Paul, here's, me too. I'm a total here's, nerd. Here's what I saw, you know, <laughs> yep. and here's what you created. Yep. To me, that's impressive mm -hmm. because, with you know, that's where you start to see that distinction of, of how a photographer's eye works. Of yeah. Like, here's this messy scene, and here's how they compartmentalized it to make this beautiful image, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes it could be important, and I, I think this – I think this – I struggle to find the, the biblical words for it, but, but I believe it's biblically applicable. What if you could do that with your life? Show a, a behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Like it's a mess, but here's what Jesus did oh, with it. That'll you preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. It, it, it might look nice to you, but it only looks nice because he fixed this mess, you know, or, <laughs> and I still struggle with this, you know, it, it's, we almost need that behind the scenes, I think in our social media to be like, right. to have a balance of some sort, maybe, I don't know, or maybe just to wake people up and understand, Hey, I can talk about the bad things too. I don't only just have to right. show the, yeah. the beach trips. So do you think part of the hesitation is the, uh, the ease of abuse that can happen? In, in that it's super easy to just type out a little uh, rebuke of what you see. You know, someone, oh, that's terrible. You're dumb. You know, you can abuse people without really any consequence nowadays online. Sure. And so a lot of people tend to not put some of that up because, oh, I may not look perfect. And so someone's going to complain to me or someone does complain. And so then it kind of ruins your self-esteem. And so then you start backing off and then you only post the touched up, perfect, pretty. Do you think it's that or do you think that we chase the dopamine? We want that high from when I post the pretty, now I get mm. the praise. And with the praise comes all of the good feels and, oh, look what I did. And like, I feel like our pride drives it more than anything. Mm -hmm. uh, th uh, that has to be it. Because there was a study, I, th I think it was Stanford that may have done it a while back, where they, the, the response you get from watching those likes come in affects the same part of your brain that heroin does. Yeah. And so it crack. So you're on crack. Yeah. This is a drug. Yeah. I, absolutely. It's an addiction. Yeah. It's an addiction. It's an absolute addiction. Mm -hmm. 
Because what I found is when people are real, the, mm-hmm. the few people that I that I see friends with on Facebook or something that are real, like this is what's happened in life. It's not good right now. Yeah. I'm having a difficult time. The only comments that I ever see are never critical. They're mm-hmm. always, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. Yep. Let us know what you need. I understand. I've been through the same thing. You know, they're only ever positive stuff and right. encouraging. So I, you usually the critical ones that you see, they're going to criticize you even on your good stuff. <laughs> That's true. Like when I post the best thing I've ever made and somebody's on there, like mm, I would have done it this way, you know, <laughs> they're going to do it no matter what. Like, yeah, that is true. <clears throat> all right. Well, we solved all the world's problems, so that's good. Or most of them, at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, is Photoshop too good now? My gosh. <laughs> so I was talking with a good buddy of mine, Nathan Loker, um, and he was sending me some reels on Instagram of phone software now that does all the AI, like yeah. removing subjects and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, they're going to turn our job into the push of a button, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. That's the fear, right? That's mm-hmm. the fear talking of like the technology is going to get so good that you don't need any skills. Yeah. But I believe that's kind of hogwash, right? Because the mind controls everything. The mind controls what you do with that tool and how you apply it. And so in other words, Photoshop has been around for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, is one of the most powerful pieces of, of application <laughs> technology we've had in, in years. Oh yeah. Uh, but yet not everybody can apply those techniques mm-hmm. in a successful way mm-hmm. uh, because it's all about the mind. Yeah. Um, it's all about you and how you choose to use it. So I'm like, bring, bring it on, bring on, make it as powerful as you can, because it's just going to allow me more freedoms to do other things. Right. So I try not to get too caught up into the old doom and gloom of Starfy's going to die because we have cell phone <laughs> cameras now that are, and I love a cell phone camera. Oh, it's fantastic. The fact that you, in your pocket right now, I actually created a hashtag on Instagram called raw in your pocket. So if yeah. you search that hashtag, most of that stuff is me. But it is the idea that you can now in this device, I'm holding up a phone, by the way, um, is raw imagery. Yep. Fully editable. I mean, within Lightroom on the, on the phone is nuts what you can do with it. I don't have to copy stuff over to a computer no. and launch an application yeah. and save and export files out and get oh. them back to my phone. I mean, we're going to share them on our phone anyways. Who are we getting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably if I were just to make up my own statistic, but 95% of people viewing it are probably going to view your work on a mobile device. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be real. So you're almost taking this whole middleman out of the <laughs> equation of yeah. like we were on vacation in Tennessee a uh, week before last and I had my camera there, you know, and I was doing some long exposure stuff in the evening and everything. And, you know, it's beautiful down there, but man, 90% of the stuff I did was with my phone because it was there and the ability to have Mm -hmm. high quality cameras now that are in it. And most Mm -hmm. of the stuff I posted was from my phone and you would never be able to tell the difference at this point. Yep. I don't know if that's awesome. Oh, it's phenomenal. I don't know if you follow Russell Brown at all. Um, Dr. Russell Brown. He, uh, he, Sounds familiar. He's he's the guy who brought Photoshop to Adobe way back and said, "You guys okay. need to look at this thing." Anyway, he's doing this crazy project right now where he's firing strobes and running Photoshop Lightroom on his iPhone. Wow! And the work that comes out of that is mind blowing. 
to, to think this came out of a, a phone for crying out loud. This device was designed and created to make phone calls. Um, well, it's not anymore, but right. the fact that, I mean, I, I remember when I got my first smartphone and thought that I had, that we were, holy cow, we made it. I mean, this mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> it's just junk now. It's too slow. It doesn't work. It's just garbage. But the fact that, I mean, the speeds of these things are just crazy. And the computational work it does. I mean, it's all software, how it takes that picture. It's beautiful. Gets you HDR products that, you know, unless you know what you're doing with a a big pro-grade camera, you can't get that kind of product out of that. Right, right. It's capable. It's like putting a red camera in, you know, someone's hand. (laughs) I'm going to, as a, not a cinema video guy i'm gonna get better video product out of this than i will out of a red yeah just because i I don't know how to do that right so it, it, it's wild um yeah I, I i love it and there's just um like one thing i did buy was the the uh the dji the osmo pocket oh yeah plugs into mm-hmm. the phone yep. right so now you have you can do like those pan movements and stuff yep. like that like i mean just it's just nuts. Like just the little accessories like mm-hmm. that, that you can get that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and, and I've heard it said before, what's the best camera? It's the one that you have on you. <laughs> yeah. We always have our phone on us everywhere we're mm-hmm. at. Well, I did. There was a couple of years ago, uh, a group at one of the churches in town asked me to come in and talk about, um, you know, just talk to moms about how to get better pictures of their kids and my entire push. And I printed out probably 50 images that I had gotten of, um, from Instagram that I took solely on my phone and I printed them out on paper so they could see them and pass them around the room. And the whole point was you have your phones all the time. Mm -hmm. Your kids are not afraid of your phone. They're not going to be freaked out that mom pulled out the 70 to 200 lens and is going to get me. She's got her phone that is always around. Now the problem we're running into now is the kids want to come look at it as soon as you take the picture. (laughs) So instant gratification, oh yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's it. And the whole point was use what you have. Don't go, don't go spend a thousand dollars on a camera that you don't know how to work. You know, we can teach you, you bet, you know, absolutely. We can do a class on how, what manual means, what P means, all that stuff. This thing, you've already spent a grand on it anyway. Just learn how to use it. Well, and I'd rather teach somebody lighting and composition before I would how to control their camera. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, and again, that comes back to the point because there's, I mean, gosh, I've dealt with it so much um, of this fear of, well, it's, it's, it's killing our industry, right? So mm-hmm. Mobile phones are killing it. Everybody's doing pictures. Like nobody wants to pay for pictures anymore. Yeah. We're all going to die and go out of business because of this. No, listen, because somebody can pick up a camera and point it at something and, and hit a button on their phone doesn't mean they understand lighting or composition <laughs> right. yeah. or angle of view and like all these things that should be going in. Like that's what you're selling. You're selling your artistry. Mm-hmm. You're not selling the fact that, or it's like people who think that, um, you know, when they sell an eight by 10, they're pricing it based on that piece of paper, not what's on <laughs> yes. the piece of paper. Yes. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's all understanding and, and teaching and education of, mm-hmm. This, this is what you got to know. This is what you got to understand. This is what makes a difference. There's an old photographer. He's retired now in Oregon named Gary Leaf. Uh, he was a volume guy. I mean, he did volume big time. Um, 
And he told me one time, long time ago, because <clears throat> I was talking about pricing and some of that stuff with him. I was new, and he was very gracious to sit down with me a little bit. And so he he pulled out a piece of paper, just a printer paper. And he's like, what's this worth to you? Probably nothing. You could almost walk in any business, any home, anywhere, and ask for a piece of paper, and they will give it to you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on, nothing of value. It costs them just fractions of a penny to make. Well, you take that same piece of paper, and he said, you take that same piece of paper, take it into the law office down the road, and have them put their name on it, and write something on that paper now. Now what's it worth? It's endless. It could be worth a, mm-hmm. a trillion dollars. Right. It could be worth, you know, if it's a contract for something, if it's the, you know, a, a, a will, something. A business plan. It's the same thing. I had one mom one time ask me, how come I can go to Walmart and spend 80 cents on an 8x10? said, you can. Absolutely. You take your picture and go there and buy that piece of paper. I'm not in the paper business. Mm-hmm. I'm in the emotional business. And, you know, our pictures, we're not, it's, again, it's not the paper. Now, I'll stand behind that paper. Mm-hmm. Later on, if something happens to it, we'll, we'll work with you to fix it. Um, sure. But, yeah, it, it is that, that mentality that it's not about the, the metal. You know, you buy a car. Well, this scrap metal can only cost so much money. Yeah, but when it's milled and machined and put together like this, it's not worth $100,000. Well, one of my favorite things is a Toyota Corolla and a Lexus will both get you to the same place. Yep, yep. <laughs> but one, one's going to do it in a little more style than the other. Yeah. And Toyota makes both of them. Yep. Right. So it's, it's perception, you know, that mm-hmm. the mom that comes in and says, well, I, I'm not paying $50 for an eight by 10. I can go to Walmart and get one for 80 cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not with my work on it. <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah. again, it's, you're, you're buying my work. You're mm-hmm. not buying the piece of paper. Yes. But, but carrying that viewpoint forward through, mm-hmm. through all of your business. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, we were all young photographers that didn't understand that concept. <laughs> and that's where education is so important. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying earlier about earning that spot, right? People mm-hmm. want to come up and ask you all the time, hey, yeah. can, how did you do this? Give me, basically, tell me for free what all you, no, you right. earn it. Yeah, I, I've paid for conferences. I've spent my hours in education yeah. and, and working with other photographers and listening to lectures and all this kind of stuff and watching video. And like, mm-hmm. you want me to, to take countless hours <laughs> right. and money of all this and yeah. just hand it to you? For, no, you, you can work for it and I'll be happy to help you through that. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm all for, for put the work in and, and man, figuring stuff out is such a better teacher than somebody telling you a lot of times. Well, I think so. And I, the last couple of years, I've been really deliberate about anyone that's new that wants to get in this business. I will help them out. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll probably tell you what I know about camera settings. I'll probably tell you what I know about where to put lighting because a monkey could figure that out. But what I, won't, what I can't do is teach you how you see the world. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what I try to tell people. You have to create the look that's you. Don't try to copy right. me. Don't try to copy the lady down the road or whoever. It's you. Because if people want me, I want them to come. They're going to come to me. And I'm going to do it better than you because I'm me. You're not me. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to do you because I'm not you. And there's actually a lady, a couple, um, one town over, who she does certain kinds of photography brilliantly. And it's not my style. And so we have clients that go to her now because that's the style they want. And at first mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's just, uh, me, what, what happened? And then I realized, no, this is good because they weren't getting what they wanted 
because that's not what I what I am and what I do. Right. They went somewhere else to get that, and that's awesome. Now I tell people, fine, if this is what I do, come here if you want that. If you want mm-hmm. something else, I'm not going to try to morph myself into someone else just mm-hmm. so you'll come here. It's not worth it because I'm not going to put out a product I'm happy with. Well, and it's those it's those clients we've all had who come in with uh, some Pinterest posts. This is what I want. Can right. we set this up for my daughter or something? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, you probably can, but mm-hmm. let me refer you to somebody who I think will yeah, who will fit that, that bill that, for you. Right, and that's that's a that's a concept and a mindset when you're younger in the business oh, that doesn't hard. make sense to you no. because it's like. And I've done it. I've, I've been on sessions before where the mom's holding up a Pinterest and I'm sitting there trying to recreate <laughs> yep. it. And, and you know what happened? Every time that would happen, I would get home and go through the images and my stomach would just sink. Like mm. I was so unhappy with everything that I had done. Um, it, I mean, it wasn't until I finally got intentional about, you know what? I'm going to start shooting stuff and creating stuff that excites me while I'm doing it. Yeah. And then let those people come to me that want that. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about style, like that's what style is. You're creating something that excites you and is independent to you and what you think is cool. And your style can't help but come out at that point. Right. Yeah. Because now it's independent to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the biggest encouragement I could give to young photographers. It's like, yes, learn what you can from others as far as technique and how to apply skills and things like that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to creating, like, what is the thing that makes you excited about it? Right. Like I love, I love hard chat, hard light and hard shadows and dark and like, man, it just, there's something about it. When I see it, it just makes me excited. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, I yeah. don't know what it is. Um, but I love that. And, and so I, I just finally embraced that a few years ago where it's like, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. as much as I can. And, um, if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. Can't please everybody. But yeah. I'm only worried about the ones that want to hire me to do what I do. Well, and that's so freeing to get into that mindset because then it is you get to do the thing that you love doing. And then you put out products you're happy with because that, that's been yeah. my issue is, you know, over the last I've been out here for 14 years almost. And I, I, I am this year changing things, but I had gotten to the point where it's the same thing. And what I'm, I'm not growing because it's the same thing. Some of the same people and the people aren't bad. They're awesome. But I don't feel like I'm providing the product that I should be because I'm not in love with it. And mm-hmm. that, that is what I have to, what I'm changing this year. Um, yeah. And that's, that's cool to hear that that's not a unique mindset. <laughs> no. And I, I mean, I think it's always ever changing. It, mm-hmm. Like, so something I did that's, since this is something you're looking at doing, maybe this is something you already do. I don't know. I'll just something that I've done the past several years is around the beginning of the year, I'll create a mood board where basically I just, I go on Google Things and I like. just start Googling. Yeah. Like either trends or like movie posters or mm-hmm. um, celebrity covers. Right. Because we know the celebrities get to have all the cool photo shoots and everything. But anyways, <laughs> I'll start pulling images. Speaking of celebrity rock star photographers. <laughs> Right. But, you know, they have access that we don't have, right? To equipment and location and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the actors and the models that they can have. Right. So I'll start putting together a mood board and then stew on it for a few days. You know, Mm -hmm. sit back, pull it back up periodically and look at it. And I always find that there's like this cohesive theme to it. Mm -hmm. And I've also found that there's some things that are the same the past two or three years. And there's some things that are different. Really? So you see that you, 
you start to build like a foundation that you grow off of mm-hmm. is, is the way that I view that is there's some things that I think that I'm always going to be in love with, with photography, but I always believe it's going to kind of wind a little bit into other areas. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That was, that's always, that's been helpful for me for several years now is just to be able to visualize like and pick apart, right. Mm-hmm. Like critique all of this. What's, what's the same about everything right, I pulled out right. here. Mm-hmm. what's different about it and being able to categorize that has just been widely beneficial for me to help pre-visualize what yeah. I want, like out of a shoot or something like that. What's your uh, favorite shortcut in the Adobe world? <sighs> favorite shortcut. Well, okay. <clears throat> let, let, let me break that down a little bit. Do Are you a macro builder? Or a little you, bit. Are you keyboard bit. keyboard shortcut? Are you Mac or PC? PC. Good. I was Mac Mac for years, and then was tired of getting robbed, so I went back to PC. Interesting. Um, okay. Are you on the latest variety of the Photoshop world? No, I have uh, twenty one, mm-hmm. and I only use it for sky replacement because their built in is pretty phenomenal. It's cheating. Other That's than that, it is. it's phenomenal. It's it, so good. <laughs> yeah. Other than yeah. that, you know, I'm tired of it freezing up and locking up and none mm-hmm. of the stuff works right. And so I have 28, I still use 2018 on a daily basis because it's been the most rock solid really? of all of them. Yeah. Well, the latest chaos that I've heard and seen is all due to Apple changing yeah. the way that they can access the file structure for okay. saving files. So there's no save as anymore for JPEGs within Photoshop. It's save a copy. Um, and I've seen a couple posts that I, cause I haven't upgraded mine cause I'm, I don't want to have to deal with that, but I put it on my son's computer at home and all of a sudden I went to save something and it's not, an, I save, you know, shift control S nothing. There, there was like hmm. four options. JPEG was not one of them. Well, there's save a copy now. And then it adds the word copy to your file name hmm. without giving you the option to change it. I yeah. did see a post that there may be a, a used legacy save as on the Windows side now uh, in the preferences. I don't know. I haven't tried it because I'm chicken. I don't want to try it because I'm I'm happy with my system. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've been a PC person. I guess it's a Mac problem, but they made it consistent across platforms, which makes no sense to me. Mm. And I heard someone on one of the groups told me that uh, it was because they wanted – this software to be consistent across the board. And I said, that only makes sense if Mac and PC ran the same keyboards, but they Mm -hmm. don't. So we're already dealing with changing. If we go back and forth, like I I have a a Mac laptop and a main PC desktop. And I have to now alternate how I interact with them because the keyboard command control product problem. Right. Right. So Adobe, if that's their logic, they are assuming that their users are just dumb and mm-hmm. incapable of adapting and it frustrates me because i do think yeah. it's an absolutely dynamite product yeah it's but, an oversimplification on their point i think i think so yeah so hopefully that'll work itself out i have no idea um behind you in the corner there's <clears throat> a couple of stringed instruments <laughs> yeah <laughs> are you uh yeah uh, one or the other bass or guitar or I, I'm no longer at the point I can say that I'm either because I pick them up about once a year. Um, and, and funny enough, when I, so when I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. I remember my Christmas year, my parents said, we're going to let you pick your present this year. 
they knew that I had an interest in, in wanting to get into photography. Mm-hmm. So they said, you can pick a camera or you can pick a guitar. <laughs> and so I picked the guitar. Really? Uh, the guitar? <laughs> and the what a mis- what a mis- uh, a guitar. Oh. So just electric guitar. Yeah. Um, what a mistake that was. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I barely play anymore, but I use my camera constantly. So yeah. uh, one of those things. But I have them. Yeah, I keep going in spells where maybe for like a, a week, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get back into this. And mm-hmm. it, it never pans out very long. <laughs> Is that a Fender Jazz bass behind you? Yes. American made or Mexico? <laughs> Uh, that, I don't know. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. I actually got that from my dad. So my dad played guitar all growing up. Mm. So that's how I got into it. He taught me how to play and everything. And so that bass is not, I haven't had it very long because somebody gave it to him and then he doesn't like play at home anymore. He still plays in our church Okay. and his bass is down there. He's got a Gibson Les Paul Jr. Oh. That is like super old and nice, probably beautiful, um, like butter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the sound is incredible. Um, so he gave me this one, and then I got it, and I bought a small bass amp and everything. This was like last year, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to get into playing bass more." And yeah, you know, it lasted about a week. And how much dust is on that thing now? <laughs> it's 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 accumulating. <laughs> so I leave it in the corner because it looks nice. cool when I'm on Zoom or something. <laughs> It does look cool. Good work. I have a <laughs> one hanging on the wall by over there that you can't see. But, um, <clears throat> what do you have? What are your hobbies? What do you do for fun? Well, I mean, it's obviously, you're, what, what you do is fun. But when you're not doing that, um, well, so <laughs> it's a, we haven't had much of a chance for hobbies lately. The past, we bought some property in North Carolina almost two years ago. Um. And it's got a small farmhouse that we've been renovating for my wife's parents. Mm. And like by renovating, I mean, we've stripped this thing <laughs> down to studs and foundation and everything inside wow. and out is new. Um, so every free moment we've had, like we're getting ready to go back down this weekend for another week of work. So we go down, we work a week, a full week, usually <laughs> 80 to 100 hour weeks. Oh, you know. Man. So I haven't had much time for hobbies, um, but what saying that in the same side, I really enjoy working with my hands. Hmm. So like woodworking again, my dad was a woodworker. Um, so I got to watch like him do cabinetry that kind up. of woodworking well, yeah, furniture okay. and just what well, you kind of name it mm-hmm. you know, and he makes it. Um, and so I think maybe I picked that up from him. So I, I, I do enjoy that. So while it has been busy, you know, we, we go for a week and then when I come back, I spend two weeks trying to get caught up on work <laughs> yep. from being gone a week. And yep. then it's time to go back down and work again a week. I, I think, I think this is our last week that we're moving them in um, at the end of this week. So cool. it's been a long nice. process. Um, but I, I do enjoy that. If I had to pick a hobby that I could mm-hmm. do more regularly, I would. I would love to have a workshop with you know all of the saws and and routers and all the good stuff. Yes, I, I could see enjoying my time doing that. Mm-hmm. My dad has a, a lathe, a wood lathe, and yeah, it's fun to mess around with. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It'd be fun, <clears throat> but when we're not here, it doesn't get done. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I'm... No overhead. No, I just, I, I understand that. Like it's, that's the struggle. You want to do other things, but like you said, when you're the only one that, that does what you <laughs> does do, it, right? you've, you're kind of <laughs> integral to. It's true. 
Well, Josh, Hannah, I appreciate you, um, your work and your boldness out there on the interweb. It's encouraging. So keep it up. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you talking to me. It's been fun. Yeah. Getting to know you a little bit. And... Yeah. Well, we'll have to connect some more. This is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, I was on a podcast a while back with some friends, and they have a, a question they ask everyone. Uh, so I'll, I'll dumb it down a little bit, or I'll simplify it. They have a long, elaborate one. But um, favorite meal, and uh, and do you cook? Um, yeah, on occasion, on occasion I cook. Um, if we're talking favorite meal, then it, I it's, cook. it's more no. Okay, that that's a good good thing. It's more like the perfect meal. Like if you had the perfect. <laughs> perfect meal i mean i'm a i'm a food guy so that could go so many ways um i i would say i'm going to say this because this is a rare meal that we have and we usually do it for like celebrations and it's not crazy it's not crazy Hmm. but uh nice ribeye uh maybe with like Come on! Oh, it's gotta be—it's gotta be thick. You oh, know, yeah. it's gotta be a couple, couple inches. Yeah. For me, my, my wife doesn't like them that thick, so <sighs> she likes the thinner stuff. But thick ribeye, and then it's gotta have some seafood with it, maybe a lobster tail or some shrimp or something like that. Mm. Scallops. And then no? we eat scallops. Scallops work. Okay. Scallops are incredible. Um, and the more of those seafood items with it, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So kind of the surf and turf there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we're making it at home, which we usually do. Few years ago we came up with a recipe uh kind of from online and adding our own stuff for this uh like a parmesan crusted scallop potatoes that just Ooh. is perfect with it um so that's kind of our go-to like when we're ready to like celebrate that's the meal that we make i could probably be there in a couple days I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, that's, if that's what it's gonna be <laughs> we could we could hook it up <laughs> nice i've uh, I, i've started in the last year uh, I found a YouTube channel where he just digs into sous vide. It's called sous vide everything. Oh wow! Uh, I've never, never really delved into it. Well, I now use that thing all the time. Really? And I'll tell you what: a cowboy cut ribeye, you know, inch and a half, two inches thick. Salt it the day before. <laughs> if you if you could salt it, like thick salt, like cr- crunch, crunchy salt, you know, like a, yeah. The, like a kosher or something? Yeah, yes. That, that's the best stuff, that kosher salt. All around. Like more than you think you need because it's so thick. Mm-hmm. Put that in a, on a rack, uncovered in the fridge for 24 hours. <clears throat> Take it out. Then you shrink wrap the thing, you know, in your vacuum bag. Throw it in a water bath of 131 degrees for, well, the last ones I did was about four hours um, at 131. Take them out, dry it off, get a crazy hot grill, and then it, all you're doing it afterward is just making the the crust. You're just finishing mm-hmm. the outside. It's the best steak you'll eat. You, you can't really? buy better steak. Just the salt penetrates the meat. Oh better, yeah, and, and if you let it, does it, sit, it tenderize and everything too? Oh or? yeah, it's the guy calls it dry brining, and so mm-hmm. you do that, and it won't it won't uh, penetrate fat, but all the muscle it soaks into, and it just turns a dark red. It's kind of weird. And mm. then vacuum pack it, put it in there. And you can go as, as little as two hours, but 
what's cool is two hours to four hours, it's not going to make a difference, or it hasn't for me. You know, if you mm. if you're done at two, but it was awesome because I was we were cutting some trees down in our yard and doing some work, and I threw one in at like three. Well, we didn't get into it till after seven. By the time we got there, and it didn't matter because it's just sitting in this bath of you know 130 degree water, mm-hmm. and it is perfectly medium rare all the way through, and then mm. the outside is your seared crunchiness. It's oh. It's the best thing you got to try. It. It's so good. <laughs> Making my mouth water now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to go on the list of things to try. Oh yeah, so th- that's my go-to now. And you know, I'll get tomahawks because our well, there's a meat shop down the road from us here. So they'll for events, Father's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, they get in tomahawk mm-hmm. steaks, and they're you know they've got a bone that's Samson would use, and <laughs> throw that baby on. Oh, so good. But it's got to be thick, thin, thin steak. Oh, yeah. is, not so good. And my, my mother, who will not, like, she does not eat meat that's still red. I don't want it bloody. Uh, yeah. She'll eat this stuff because it's so good. Wow. It's amazing. So, anyway. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JoshHannaPhotography.com is where people can find you. Uh, the social media. Uh, just search for you, Josh Hanna, for your yeah, personal J- page, J- right? J- JH Photo Design is all of my social handles. Okay. JH Photo Design. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time um, out of your your day on a Thursday. Absolutely. Um, appreciate it. I appreciate you and what you do, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. Thank you. This is the interview. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for this conversation with Josh Hanna. JoshuaHannaPhotography.com. Our website, ymillbank.com. For all the information about the studio and the project and to help support us. Thanks so thanks a lot for listening. Have a wonderful day. And we will see you on the next one.